Hello and good evening everybody, FPL teacher here bringing you Crystal Palace 1, Southampton nil. We look at what Crystal Palace did to take the lead, everything good that they did as well as Southampton's response and considering both teams' upcoming fixture schedules, we look at how, in FPL in particular, we attack both teams moving forward. Crystal Palace's 4-1-4-1 continue to have multiple nuanced tweaks in central midfield as well as the right flank involving Jordan Ayu and Co. But really, this match was about their best players on the left side continuing what they do best. Edward Zaha as well as Eze from deep midfield just had that little triangle there that out smarted and outwitted their opponents with Zaha having the time of his life or at least an epic showdown against Southampton's outside centre-back Lianco. The epicenter of this match really came down to a combination of refereeing decisions as well as Zaha's ingenuity as he found space just by beating Lianco and then eventually playing in teammates that generated chances. Now, Otson Edouard himself was a decent target man instead of Jean-Philippe Mateta and he did the biggest beneficiary of this hold-up play was Eberi Eze who took multiple shots from range. So this is what Palace continued to do well at home. It eventually resulted in Palace's opener and Palace just had to sit back, relax and hit Southampton on the counter when the opportunities presented themselves. Now, Zaha's battle with Lianco continued all the way into the second half as late as the 64th minute that eventually led to block shots and such. But really, the idea here for FPL purposes is about how we attack Crystal Palace. Now, what Palace do well at home is that their press on Southampton's back three and their central midfielders in particular is very strong. The front five, the four central midfielders as well as Edward, are extremely mobile and so their style of pressing the centre-backs or at least the centre-backs and the central midfielders is that they do not press aggressively on the turn from behind. They actually wait for Palace's defenders and central midfielders to get the ball, turn and then be in their face. So it's slightly different from Jesse Marsh's aggressive scheme because Jesse Marsh and Leeds do not allow their opponents to turn. Palace do and when they turn and force wayward passes from their opponents, that is where Palace receive the ball, regain momentum and start and continue attacks at will. So Away from home up next against West Ham and Forest, for FPL purposes, we really are trying to examine who will bypass this Palace press. The answer, at least for West Ham and Nottingham Forest, are the long balls forward directly into their front threes, respectively. So, the question comes down to whether Crystal Palace can protect themselves against these long balls because, honestly, Southampton didn't do too much here in terms of long passes. But, at least we know that when Palace's front five press forward, they leave a lot of space in midfield as well as defence for Milivojevic and his back four to fill in. Multiple commentators have actually mentioned throughout the match that Palace's back four pressed extremely high up all the way to the halfway line at home. So away from home, this may or may not be the case, but at least we know that runners behind that defence, in theory, such as Kamaka and perhaps a certain Said Ben Rama, as well as Brandon Johnson, Taiwo Awoniyi, 
our pace-based players are in the best position to benefit. Southampton, with yet another tactical tweak, this time sacrificing Adam Armstrong, who has been part of that left flank for so long, this time for two strikers instead of one. Aribo and Shea Adams started up front, which meant that they needed extra bodies in midfield, and this is where they brought Stuart Armstrong in to help JWP as well as Diallo man midfield. So really, the question came down to whether the wings back, the wing backs, would make a difference in attack, while. Perot was a constant presence in the final third. He only came into prominence in the second half itself after Palace took the lead. This meant that Perot was extremely isolated at times, but he still managed to take shots himself as well as engineer a few crosses in the first half. Now, on that right side is where things become more interesting because of that aforementioned tactical battle between Lianko, the outside centre-back, and Zaha. Because when Lianko won the ball, space opened up extremely well for the likes of JWP, El Dunusio in that right wing-back position, as well as Joe Aribo crucially up front to make the difference. Because Aribo basically has almost the same skill set as Wilfred Zaha, minus the shooting. Aribo made the difference in the 51st minute, creating Al Yunusi's shot from the left flank. He helped Stuart Armstrong get his shot on the left-hand side, and eventually, Aribo even managed to get a shot himself in the 78th minute. Now, this is what Southampton do well. When Southampton come up against their upcoming opponents, really, you are trying to avoid having players on the left side. So, Newcastle, Liverpool might present a vulnerability there. But really, we are more interested in attacking Southampton, and it is that right-sided zone, especially when they are being pressed down away from home, that really presented a lot of weaknesses. In the opening half itself, there were multiple errors committed by Gavin Bazunu, the goalkeeper in particular, because Palace pressed them down so efficiently and so cohesively that we can almost foresee Newcastle's centre-backs, as well as Liverpool's front three, do the same thing. So really, the question is, for FPL purposes, who are the beneficiaries? For Palace's case, because they pressed that left-hand side down so well, it was the central midfielders that created for their central strikers. So really, over here, if you were to invest in a Newcastle or a Liverpool player, Miguel Amiron and co will almost certainly be within the chances, especially when you press them down. Secondly, Callum Wilson is going to be an extremely hot property. I think he's already risen value once prior to this podcast. So you will not go wrong investing in Newcastle early. Crucially here, with the Liverpool-Southampton game in game week 16 being the, one of the plum fixtures of the round, you are looking at players who will win the ball in central midfield like Jordan Henderson and Fambino, and the question comes down to who they feed up front. The answer usually would be Darwin Nunes. So really, it is primed for that type of match. In the end, this match focused on the defensive frailties of both teams rather than what both teams did well. So looking forward, 
for FPL purposes, when you pick short-term potential punts, really we are looking at how to take advantage of temporary flaws and inefficiencies in each team's systems where Southampton are weak against an aggressive high press while Crystal Palace themselves really leave space behind them when Zaha loses the ball. This is FPL Teacher reviewing the Newcastle Aston Villa match up next to see if there are any potential exploitations that we can make moving ahead.